Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. Father God, we thank you this morning that we can gather here amongst your people. Old and young, those who have been here a long time, those who are newer, visitors, others. We gather together in this place to say that you're a God, that you're a great king. And uh, Father, this morning we ask that we can focus on you. That we can give you our heart, our mind, our attention. That we can listen to your spirit this morning. And that this morning as we look to your word and we think about the Bible that we can that we can be reminded that you've revealed your word to us and that that's a great gift may we hear from you this morning and, and just ask you what does this morning have to do with our lives what do you have for us today God Lord bless this morning and my words that uh, are of you and those that are not may you Make them become nothing. May they drift away. For this people, I pray that they continue to grow in you. In your name, amen. <clears throat> this morning, I, I want to talk about being shaped by the Bible. Being biblically shaped by the Bible for the purpose of the church. Uh, the idea of being shaped is that you are, are you take on aspects of something. You you are are brought into becoming more like something. And I, I think it's interesting that I don't know if any of you have watched. Maybe this isn't the best illustration, but I, have any of you watched some of the Olympics? So, okay, a few hands. What sports have you been watching? Yell them out. Figure skating, curling, hockey, whatever. Um, it's interesting to me to think for a moment that you can have athletes of the same country, but because of their sport, because of their, their, the sport that they're involved in, they're actually shaped a bit more by their sport than their country. They're, they're all in. I, I noticed this especially with um, when we were, Suzanne and I were watching some of the snowboarding, the half pipe, which I would never want to do in my life because I'm not crazy, and I like my bones in one place. But it was interesting to me that, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter what country they're from, uh, American, Australian, Chinese, they all kind of are, are shaped, and they all kind of are wearing the same thing, and they're all kind of, they have their headphones that they put in before they go do a run, and they all kind of have the same actions. They've been shaped by the culture. They've been shaped by the thing that they said, this is who I am, I'm a snowboarder. And that became really interesting because one of the stories of one of the, I believe it was a Chinese snowboarder, she had moved from, they, they said they had taken her out of gymnastics, and I've seen the Summer Olympics, and I know what the gymnastics girls look like, and they had put her in snowboarding, I was like, yep, she's definitely taken on and been shaped by gymnast or by, by snowboarding. She looks like a snowboarder, not a gymnast. And I think that's, that's interesting because in that category, she's shaped and becomes and, and takes on the, the characteristics and the aspects of that sport. 
And as we talk about this idea of membership, my ultimate question is what is shaping us as part of God's body, the church here? A community Bible. What is the thing that shapes us and molds us and makes us who we are? What voice do we listen to as we participate in the church body? We know that there's a lot of things that can shape us. This week, your mind, your heart might be shaped around what happened in Florida, and you might be shaped, your worldview is being shaped by maybe uh, what do we do in the gun debate. I'm not going to get into that here at all, obviously, but, but we, we know that as we listen to these voices, it changes us, it shapes us, it makes us into something. The same way if we watch the markets go up and down or, or we, we watch different things in the news, we are shaped by those voices. Much more, we're also shaped by those around us. If you are in a family where you have someone that just kind of calls you junk, you know that your feeling of yourself is about this big and you're being shaped by that voice that you hear, Right? Or what about even, take all the things you see and all the people that are out there and just hear the accusations of the evil one. Those things that say you're nothing or you're everything. Either saying we're too little or thinking we're too much and not thinking about Scripture and not thinking about Jesus. We can start to listen to those things and we're shaped by those elements. We're shaped by the voices that we listen to. We're shaped by the voices in our lives. This morning, the idea that I want us to come away again is this biblically shaped uh, idea for ourselves and also for us as a body by the Bible, by God's Word. So this morning, I want to turn to first or to Second Timothy three. Some of these verses are going to be familiar. Some of them, maybe not. First, 2 Timothy 3, you're going to see that on page 855 if you're opening up the Pew Bibles. 855. 1 Timothy 3, we have this letter from Paul. He's, he's writing to his young protege, Timothy. He's encouraging him. Timothy is a young pastor in training. He's, he's come up, and, and, and Paul is kind of writing this last letter, handing the baton over and, and charging him with these things for how he should interact in his church. And he centers in on the Word of God. We're going to be more familiar with the back verses of this chapter, but I want to go all the way back to chapter 3, the start of chapter 3, and start there. Paul says this in chapter 3, verse 1, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into the household and capture weak women, burdened with sin and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. 
Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to them, to all, as was that of those two men. Verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecution and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, which persecuted with per, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned from your, and firmly have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then the familiar verses, verse 16, 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul is handing off that baton, and he, he speaks about these times that are coming. And when we hear right in the beginning of, of chapter 3 the idea that these things are going to happen in the last days, we shouldn't think of them in terms of what is going to happen uh, ahead of us yet, but even what is happening in Timothy's day. Things that Timothy will face in his own walk. People who will walk away and, and go after all sorts of things that are not godly. And what's interesting is that these guys that he's talking to, he's not talking about others out there, he's actually talking about those who are even within their midst in the church that are going after false things. Voices that are trying to come in and cloud the gospel message, and Paul says, no. And where does he point Timothy? To Paul's teaching and to the scriptures. He wants Timothy to be shaped by this. And then from there, if we were to read on, verse chapter 4, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who was the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And so Timothy, as a teacher, he's as, a, as a young pastor, he's encouraged by Paul to say, take this take this." Bible that you're being shaped by and use it. Use it to be as you're shaped to also shape the community of believers. Use it to preach. Use it to be exhorting and rebuking and all these things to challenge and correct the people of God. Timothy wants these people, or wants Timothy to be shaped by this for the community. We're familiar with those things. All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, 
But the question that I want us to think about in that is not just what is he saying and how is it useful, but even step back a little bit because sometimes I think we can just take for granted that we have this book and say it's useful for a bunch of things and not step back and actually say what is the voice that we hear in this? What is this book that's in front of us? A couple weeks ago at the men's conference I talked about, uh, I did kind of a a journey through the storyline of the Bible. And I think it's helpful, and I wanted to present this idea again, as I did to those men, because I want us to be reminded of it. We can turn, and you don't have to do it now, but we can turn to the table of contents in our Bibles, and what we're going to see there is a list of 66 other books that that starts with Genesis, ends with Revelation. It's going to have the Gospels and all these other books, some names that are hard, some that are familiar, 66 books. Two halves, the Old Testament, the people of God, Israel, and then the New Testament, which sometimes we can say, well, that's the book for us more than it is the Old Testament. We can have, we can see that there's a bunch of authors. We can see that it was written over thousands of years. But do we actually remind ourselves often that what this book is, is written by one divine author? Yes, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they each wrote their Gospels. But do we understand that God was the one that was writing behind them all? And even from Genesis, that he was guiding Moses and others in the writing of all these books to get the book that we have today. Do we see this book as one book where where God is, is writing it for the purpose of speaking to us, revealing to us his heart for us? And his plan of redeeming. Or do we just take the words out of this and say, it's profitable for teaching, reproof, rebuke, correction, etc. Do we just take the verses in a pragmatic sense and just say, just apply them? Or do we keep in mind the, the big idea of this whole picture is God's great love story. That he created us, that we screwed it up, and that in the process since Genesis 3, God has been looking to redeem his people and bring them back because of his great mercy, his great love, his great care. What this means is, is that we need to not just be Bible readers as we do it. We can't just read through this plan and, and, and have a Bible plan and just say, check it off the list and check off this passage and this passage. Or we can't just have our ten verses that we really like. I think about my Awana verses from back in the day. I have those 10, 12 verses that I know by heart. But there's so much more to the Bible. There's so much more to the big story. And and am I taking just those verses or am I trying to dig in to this book and be shaped by it and understand and hear, God, what is your story here? It's a question we should all be asking ourselves. Am I just a Bible reader? Or do I actually become even what might sound scary to some of you. Am I willing to become a biblical theologian? That word is like, oh, you got to go to seminary to be called a theologian, right? No. I think what we all have to believe is when we read the Bible or when we live our lives out, we're all practicing theology. We're all living something out, and in every action that we have and everything that we say, we're saying something about God and His Word, and it may be true or it might be false, and we need to engage and say, I need to learn what's in this book so I can learn about God, 
so I can be shaped by his voice, which he started by telling Abram uh, to write down commandments, and he's spoken of as he told other guys to write these words down, and now we have them collected, and they're preserved for us, a book, God's voice. He wants it for us to be shaped by it. He wants us to be shaped by it, as Paul wanted Timothy to do. The question is that I then well, that I would move to is do we see other places in the scriptures where the people in the scriptures themselves are shaped by the Bible? Uh, are they shaped themselves by this book where, where that's what they're using in their lives to move forward and to, to it, it's helpful for them as they walk through life? The first example, our prime example, is Jesus himself. Jesus, he was shaped by this book, and we can sit there and say, well, he's God, he knew it was his word, it was God's word, and he was kind of fitting with that, but I think he came to be a man, and he came, and he had to learn the scriptures, he wanted to grow in the knowledge of it, it wasn't just like, uh, like he put in, you know, a flash drive, and, and he just downloaded it, and he automatically knew it, no, I think Jesus had to work and learn, and, and so that in the times where he needed it, he had the scriptures at hand. In your readings this week, I put down Luke 4. Luke 4 is Jesus' temptation in the desert. How does he fight temptation? He fights it by giving back verses from the scriptures to rebuke the enemy's attacks at him. He uses the scriptures. He, He gives words from the word of God to fight his battle. Interesting. He uses it to rebuke the Pharisees. He uses it to teach his disciples. And even when he's on the cross, Jesus does what? He starts reciting psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's not just new words. That's from the psalms. He was shaped by this word. It was a voice that he listened to. But again, we could say, well, that's Jesus. He's God. He knows the scriptures. He's got extra bit. But, but what about other guys that we see in the scriptures? What about the other authors, the other people that we see, like Paul and, Tim, and, uh, and Peter and John? See them quoting the scriptures, being shaped by it? Or do we just see them writing the scriptures? I think we do see them using the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, to to inform how they write. They're saturated in it, and as they're writing letters uh, to to guys like Timothy or churches like Ephesus, which we looked at last week, they're being informed by the scriptures. I have a big book in my office, and I'm glad that I don't have to carry it with me because it's far too heavy. That is about all the uses of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the author, G.K. Beale, and this may sound nerdy right now, but G.K. Beale, he, he talks about the Old Testament and how it's used in the New Testament and how it informs the New Testament writers as they're writing and encouraging, as Paul is doing here to Timothy. He says this. It's counted in the Scriptures in the New Testament at least 295 separate quotations from the Old Testament into the New Testament. That's about 4.5% of our Bible, is direct quotes, like quote marks. 22, that's one verse out of every 22 
And for Paul, in his own writings, he has about a hundred separate different quotes from the Old Testament that he brings forward into his writings. A hundred quotes. Now, what's really crazy that hit me is that that doesn't even count for what they would call allusions or things where they're pointing back into the Old Testament and, and looking to it, but it's not a direct quote. It's, it's, it's aiming at bringing something out of the Old Testament. If we could count those, then we could go up and the count numbers of how much the Old Testament and the God's Word is informing these writers goes up even more. There's probably between 600 to 1,600, and some people even say up to 4,000 allusions in the New Testament. In the book of Revelations, John's writing, that book that's so kind of confusing to us sometimes, he says that there's probably between 300, well, 400 to almost 1,000 different allusions in the book of Revelations. No direct quotes, but 1,000 allusions to the Old Testament. What does that mean? That means that even as John is writing the Old Testament and he's writing a letter to a church and he's writing letters to Christians, he's being informed and saying, what does God's word have to say? What is God's word thinking and how can I bring that out and inform God's people? How can I instruct using God's word? Now I can talk about all those quotes, all those allusions, and I think one reaction would be to say, man, that's confusing, that makes it hard to understand, that makes the Bible even scarier, and I want to push back, and I want to be far from it. That's not my intent. My intent is to say, look at what informed these guys as they instructed, as they lived life. What shaped them was the Bible, and I think that the same spirit that empowered them to grow in wisdom and use God's word was the same power that we have in our lives today that can instruct us as we spend time in this book for God to bring to light the things that we've read and instruct in our lives. So we have a book like Timothy where Paul instructs Timothy and encourages him, one guy. And we see all these other authors, and, and we, we know in our heart that we should probably read the Bible more. That we should probably get into it and learn it and understand it. But the question that I want us to ponder in this series, because it is a series on looking at membership, the, the family of God, and how we want to be building up the body together. The question is, what does this have to say do about membership? What does this have to do with the church? I think in all of Paul's letters, pretty much across the board, what he was always writing to was to encourage the body, to encourage the church. The reason why he's bringing up scriptures is so he can make the church better. One of the reasons that he, he spent time in the Word and wanted to learn it and grow in it was not just so he could be bettered off for himself and walk a really holy life connected with God, but it was so that he could pour it out and give it to the members of the church body. And we see that coming out through the Scriptures. The church is informed by it. They're encouraged by it. It's what sharpens them together. We see examples of the church taking this on. I thought of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, it talks about, Therefore, since we have surrounded ourselves with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside everything that's entangled us and let us run the race with perseverance. We, together, the church, the witnesses, let us run together 
And he says, what have we surrounded ourselves with? Hebrews 11, it's all Old Testament stories of faith and walking with God. We run together as we reflect back on the scriptures. Acts 2, they gather together and it says they what? They devoted themselves to the teachings and the scriptures. And it was used for worship. The reason that I think we as a church need to be shaped by the Bible, something that we don't think of often is that when we come in here, I talked about all those other voices that can shape us. The news, people in our lives, lies of the enemy. We know that those things are shaping us, me, But the question is, do we admit admit that when we come in here and we walk in here on Sunday mornings or when we fellowship in our homes together as the body, do we realize that that, those things that are shaping me are also shaping us together? That when I come in here and I'm shaped more by the world than I'm shaped by the Bible, me as a member of the body, uh, that part of the body looks a whole lot more like the world than the scriptures or what God has to say. And so we want to be shaped by the scriptures for the whole, together, committed to this. So we think of it not just in terms of what can the Bible do for me, but what can it do for us? Five things I wish I would have had a slide for them. I didn't get to it last night. Five things, and I take this from uh, an author uh, that I can never pronounce his name. Uh, Tabati about a while. Uh, he is an author that wrote a book on membership and, and kind of talks about this. And he says five things that are worth, I think, for us to consider about as we grow in shaping ourselves around the Bible and, and bringing that into what we're talking about and how we're growing together. He, he says that the, the being shaped by the Bible does these five things. And I would agree with him. The more and more we're shaped by the Bible, number one, the Bible helps the church grow in our reverence to God. The Bible helps us grow in our reverence towards God. As we are looking, coming in here, and as we are being steeped in God's word, and we're we're growing in God's word, and we're encouraging with God's word to each other, what's going to happen? We're not going to be looking down at the world around us, but our eyes are going to look up at God and, and worship Him as we see a great God who loves us, as we hear His love story for us, His grace, His mercy He's poured upon us. Our reverence, our awe together. I wonder if we grew in our, in our understanding of, of this book, if we were shaped more and more by this book, I wonder what that would do for our worship songs, what that would do for our fellowship time out there, as our eyes are looking to God more than everything else. I think we'd be more informed and we'd be looking in more in awe. Number two, the thing that we see the Bible does, number two, it helps the church overcome our wrong ideas. The Bible helps us overcome our wrong ideas. We have to admit that when we are shaped by the world or we're shaped by our sinfulness, we have a lot of wrong ideas about things. We have a lot of 
wrong understandings of what's important in life and, and, and selfish motives even as we walk in here about what this body is supposed to be about. And I think as we walk into the Scriptures, we're going to start to hear from God what's important, what we should be aiming at, what is what we might actually be wrong about. We walk humbly into those things. And as a church, we may even start to see maybe that we need to be focusing on this and not that. And we can be focused on what God actually wants. It helps us overcome our wrong ideas. Number three, as we are listening to God's voice, listening to His Word, becoming biblically shaped, and I think this is a real big one for us. Number three, the Bible helps buffer the church against controversies and conflict. The Bible helps us buffer, helps buffer the church against controversies and conflict. So easy it is that when we are shaped by the worldview or the things that are not of God's word, we start to think about it from me and we start to get in conflict and we're not shaped about those things about forgiveness or or we're, we're not thinking about what matters, the gospel, and we get caught in all these other, in the weeds on other things, and we're not able to come together. And what happens then as we're shaped by other things other than the Bible is we actually as members pull apart and fracture in our own ways. And so if we're in the Bible and growing in that more and more, not just in myself and me and my devotion time, but us together, we're going to be growing in those conversations and be on the same page. Number four, the Bible is needed. It's needed for the Great Commission, for a church to fulfill the one call that God asks us to do, the one calling that Jesus leaves us with in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples doing what? Teaching them to obey and observe all I've commanded. Teaching them what I've commanded. Teaching them my voice. Us as a church, community Bible, we can't, if we are not growing in the Bible, we can't actually go out and make disciples and follow through with what Jesus has asked us to do. We need the Scriptures. We need to be shaped by them to fulfill the Great Commission. Fifth, the Bible deepens the church's understanding of and proficiency in the Gospel deepens the church's understanding of and proficiency in the gospel. What is meant by this? I believe what it means, and we'll talk about this in a couple weeks actually, in terms of us as a church body. It means that when we come together, we're speaking the gospel to each other. We're, we're finding the gospel truths of what Jesus has done and what he's doing in our lives, and as he's walking with us today, we're hearing that come to the surface in our conversation, in our encouragement. We're becoming more proficient in knowing what that is and how to speak it into each other's lives. Not just as a something you pray as when you're a kid, but something that I need to hear daily, gospel truths about how God loves and cares and died for me and is walking with me and is thinking about me. And the same for you. It helps us become more understanding of the gospel and it's going to come out more as a church. So how do we go about shaping the church body. How do we go about shaping the church body with the word? How do we become more biblically shaped? Obviously, that means that me on my own, I need to be going uh, to the word and studying it. And in places where I'm confused 
or I don't know. Rather than, rather than saying, I don't get it and throwing it up in the air, I sit there and say, I need to find someone in my church who can help me. And that's not just the pastor, by the way. There are other godly people amongst you that know their Bible and can walk with you in those things. It's finding someone. Or maybe you're an older person and, and, and you're, you're looking for a younger person to say, who can I walk in and read the Bible with so that, so that we can grow together in understanding and encourage and sharpen each other like Paul is doing to Timothy? We want to, we want to shape each other through learning and growing on our own and growing in pairs. And then also that's why we gather and we open up the word and we preach here is that as together we are being shaped by these same messages and and being shaped together by what we hear so that we can talk about it as we leave from here and say, what did you learn in the sermon today? What did you learn in the Bible from the Bible today? That's why we do these things so we can be shaped together. We come together and we have a lot of conversations. We sit sometimes and have a meal together. We pass by each other out there in the, in the, in the lobby. We shake hands in the morning and begin the service, or we meet throughout the week. And, and the thing that I would want us to say, if you catch nothing else in this, as we interact as members of the church body, it, 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 a little phrase that kind of comes to mind. As you're interacting with each other, I would challenge us to use the word, not just words. As we're interacting in our conversations, use the word, not just words. It's so easy for us to just speak and say, hey, I'm praying for you, or, or hey, I, I hope that goes well, or how's your day going? But to start to bring in God's word into our conversation when someone's hurting and you're reminded and you're listening to the Spirit and say, oh yeah, God says this about hurting. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And, and we remind each other of that. And we, we don't speak from our own words, but we're speaking from God's word into each other's lives. I think God uses that to bring us together, to shape us together. We're going to be shaped we're going to be shaped as individuals, and we're going to be shaped as a, as, as a body together. And the question is, what are we being shaped by? And this morning, like, like Paul, who, who says, go back to the sacred writings. For Timothy, he was blessed because he, he was acquainted with those from the beginning. And he also had Paul teaching him in his day. He says, remember the scriptures, that they're breathed out by God, that they're profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. What's more is he says they can make us wise unto salvation. He says that right before that. This word is not just a book. It's not just good, catchy things. It's the thing that makes us wise to Christ and what he's done in our lives. And we need that in our lives. And we need that as a church body. In a little bit, we're going to sing the song under the potter's hand. And then you're going to ask, that God shapes us, molds us. And I would ask that we continue in prayer and say, God, shape us to be formed by your word, to be more like you in our lives. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you this morning that we can gather, sing words that are drawn from the story of you from this text, that we can open the scriptures and hear Paul talking to Timothy and know that that's your instruction behind it. Lord, we, we know that we need your scripture and we probably don't even engage with it enough as we know that the world's forces and shapes are mighty and, and they're all over the place. We need the scriptures to be shaping us, but Lord, we admit that we need the scriptures within us to be shaping us as a community. If, if we are to be your bride together, the church, supporting each other, caring for each other, loving one another, sharpening each other. Lord, we need not our smart wisdom, but we need the wisdom of a God who has created us, of a King, Jesus, who is wiser than King Solomon even, and who uses those words and speaks to us through the power of the Spirit. Father, we ask that for each one of us that we can grow from wherever we're at, whether we know a lot or a little, may we continue to say, I desire to grow and be shaped more by your word, your love story, so that we can proclaim you, so we can look at you, worship. Father God, I pray for these people that they continue to desire molded and shaped as long as there is air in their lungs. In Jesus' name.